If Christ is king, how should the Christian consider the kingdoms of this world? What does the Bible teach us about human authority and what it means to love our neighbors and our enemies? Before we render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, let's know what it means to render unto God what is God's. This is the Biblical Anarchy Podcast, the modern prophetic voice against war and empire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Biblical Anarchy Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute, part of the Christians for Liberty Network. This week and every week on Biblical Anarchy, we seek to live counterculture to the empire of man and instead seek the kingdom of God by unpacking what the Bible teaches about government, authority, and human relationships. I'm your host, Jacob Winograd. So today's episode is a little bit of a monologue and I mean, as I am starting to record this, I hope it's short, but sometimes that gets away from me. I'm going to explain why I am not an anarchist. And that might seem weird considering the title of the show is Biblical Anarchy. But I want to explain something. And this is something that goes back to the formation of this show. And so a little bit of history. When I started podcasting, those of you who've been listening to me for a long time know I started out with the Daniel 3 podcast. It was actually a bit of a mouthful. It was the Daniel 3 Obey God Over the State podcast. That was like the full name. Like I often would just call it the Daniel 3 podcast. So I started out that way, even though I was an ANCAP at the time, and I believed in, you know, I, I ascribed to libertarian anarchy, the reason why I didn't use anarchy in the name, well, there was two reasons. One, there actually used to be a Facebook page called Biblical Anarchy. And so I was like, I was taken and they played really fast and loose with what it means to be biblical and Christian because they kind of had a very deconstructionist view, a very, you know, anti-historic Christian view, kind of this weird new agey stuff. So I was like, oh, that's a shame. That's a nice name, but I can't have it. And so I chose the name Daniel 3 because I love that passage. I think I've talked about that passage a lot on this show. And I thought that passage kind of encapsulated the idea of what I mean by anarchy, which I'll get more into later. And then I added obey God over the state because I wanted to not trap myself with the word anarchy. And I was like, well, I'll say something that no Christian could object to, right? Obey God over the state. Okay, what Christian's going to be like, no, you have to obey the state over God. So it's not controversial. It's pretty straightforward. Like, okay, Daniel 3 and that passage is they're not bowing to the king. So yeah, straightforward and to the point is kind of what I thought it was. And I didn't always call it that. Later on, because like I saw that Facebook page went down, like he actually changed his name to something else. He was like, I'm no longer a Christian or didn't believe in anarchy anymore. And so, you know, it's kind of like, all right, you're abandoning that intellectual property, so to speak. And so I homesteaded it for myself. And so I called the podcast then the Daniel 3 Biblical Anarchy Podcast, but still just for short, we call it the Daniel 3 Podcast, which was nice because like I could use the full name if I wanted to. But if I didn't want to like be upfront and in people's face about anarchism and, you know, it's a scary word, I could just say it's the Daniel 3 Podcast. When I joined LCI, we had long talks. Like I think we had two or three talks kind of spanning over phone conversations and text messages about the name of what my podcast would be when I migrated over. 
to Libertarian Christian Institute and the Christians for Liberty Network. They weren't too keen on keeping Daniel 3 because they thought like it just didn't give you enough information. You know, not a lot of people would even know it's a Bible chapter reference or something. Or Actually, it's funny. If you follow me on Twitter, you probably know this, but there's a lot of people in the libertarian world who know me as Daniel because they actually thought because of the name of the podcast was Daniel 3 that my name was Daniel. And also what contributed to that was when I started out, I didn't want to use my last name, which I did that because like friends of mine were like, oh, Winograd's not like, he a show name. Like, you know, instead of going by Jacob Winograd, that's like, doesn't sound good if you're like a radio announcer or, or podcaster. So they were like, just what's your middle name? Daniel. Like, yeah, do Jacob Daniel. And so I did that kind of like to remain a little anonymous and because people told me it sounded better. But then people, because of that and the name of the podcast, started thinking my name was Daniel, which is actually the name of my firstborn son. Cool little fact. So they didn't want the Daniel 3 podcast name, which was fine. I kind of kept that podcast going a little bit after I joined LCI, but then realized like it's too much. And so I retired it in episode 93. But then they were like, all right, so biblical anarchy. And they're like, okay, I mean, that's cool. They were like, but you know, some people probably would get turned off by that word anarchy. So they kind of left it up to me. So Doug was like, listen, if that's what you want, if that's like you're convinced and convicted that like that's what the name of the show has to be, we'll go with it and we'll support you. But like, you know, once you set in, that's it. We're not going to like 50 episodes in change the name of the podcast, right? I mean, that's less than ideal at the very least. So it's like, we, we, before we transition everything, because there was like a few months where this all happened, they're like, let's really think about if that's the name you want to stick with. And I should have, in preparation for this episode, brought up all my brainstorming because like we tried so many different things and I just could not find something that I liked. The problem was a lot of them were just either too obscure or too generic or they were like more on the nose than biblical anarchy, but just like clunky. So eventually I was like, you know what? The way I've always believed in operating is to be honest. I should couch this, I guess, a little bit. Like, I'm not saying I'm more honest than other people. Like, everyone else is dishonest. I guess it's like with my beliefs when I'm talking to people. Because I, for a while, I would, you know, when I was operating under the other name, I could kind of pretend I wasn't really an anarchist or didn't really believe in anarchy. Or if people, oh, you do a podcast? Oh, what's it called? Oh, the Daniel 3 podcast. And I didn't have to. I wasn't like forced to explain anything. And unless they asked me to talk about that, my podcast was about, it didn't put me in a position to really talk to people or lure people in. And I realized like, you know what, like I want to be honest, like in the same way that I'm honest and upfront with my faith. I mean, like my phone case on the back says Jesus is King, right? Like I love wearing shirts that have Bible verses or Christian imagery on them. I'm at work. I play worship music loud on my speakers. Anyone can hear it. I've prayed with my wife over the phone while I've been at work or out in public. You know, and I'm I'm not trying to impress anyone. It's just I I don't want to be ashamed to be a follower of Christ, right? If anything, I want to be excited to be a follower of Christ. I want people to see that I'm excited and proud of that. You know, if if, if boast in anything, boast in Christ, right? And so, because it's if it's the good news, you want to share good news, right? So that's why I do that. And so in that sense, really, in the same way that I want to be authentic and just really transparent with my faith is why the name of this show is what it is. 
But this gets into what I'm trying to get at here. And it, it's, I didn't write this out because it's something that makes sense in my head. And I knew I'd have to just kind of work it out on a recording. I couldn't just write it out. I'm not really an anarchist. I believe in what I call anarcho-capitalism, which most of you probably know what this is. But for those who don't, and you can go back and get more of information on this from like episode one, what is biblical anarchy? There's a whole history of political anarchism. And anarchism, even in its earliest nascent form, it wasn't just like, let chaos rule the streets, right? That's kind of like, people use the term anarchy to describe that in more of a like, there's order and then there's anarchy. Make it a synonym with chaos and lawlessness. But even the original anarchists weren't, they didn't like believe in lawlessness. They just believed it was like, the original anarchists were more left-leaning. They were more like radical socialists, basically believed that like everything should be collectively owned. I'm really oversimplifying it. But that like no one should have power over another person in a sense of like there should be no centralized ruler or people who are this will make more sense. They were responding to like the aristocracy. They were responding to like the monarchies and stuff. And they were like, no, we're all equal. There should be no man who is above another man, right? And so then fast forward 100, 200 years, you get to, you know, libertarianism, which was kind of like an outgrowth of classical liberalism and like limited government, laissez-faire markets. And then you get from the Austrian school of economics, from Ludwig von Mises, you get Murray Rothbard. And I think there might've been some people who came up with anarcho-capitalism before Rothbard. I can't remember if that's true or not. But Rothbard's kind of the one who's like most commonly known with like really developing anarcho-capitalist thought, which is taking libertarian ideas to their most extreme and like not like making them crazy, but rather it's like, we're going to take these principles and universalize them and say like, if libertarianism is you don't hurt people and don't take their stuff, anarcho-capitalism is there's no exceptions to that. He basically called it anarcho-capitalism because he was like, well, this is kind of like anarchy. This is kind of like what the anarchists were trying to do, right? He's like, the state violates property rights and the state engages in collectivism that violates logic and violates the moral laws and ordinances it's supposed to exist to protect. And there's all this propaganda around it. It's like, let's abolish the state. Let's have governance be done in the marketplace. You know, again, not a society of lawlessness, but a society where you have decentralized governance or a poly, instead of a monocentric legal order, where you have one centralized pole of power in a specific region, you have a plethora, a competition of authorities and governing structures. And this isn't to be confused with federalism. Federalism is more of a, it's still monocentric, but the system has supposed checks and balances and you know layers of government within there, but there's still one like final authority. Whereas in a polycentric legal order, there is no like final authority. There are just competing authority structures. And people, when I first hear that, they're like, well, that sounds crazy. And so this episode is not going to be so much me going into the defenses of anarcho-capitalism, at least not in depth, because the basic idea is free markets have solved poverty. Free markets have invented all this technology and all of this wealth. And in the same way free markets have, in human innovation, have worked to problem solve these things, we, you know, anarcho-capitalists and the 
literature that they have come up with have described how governance could be done in this way. And the word anarchy there is more of a like, I guess where it gets confusing is that because people have that misconception of what anarchy is, they are not going to get past it, right? They're going to think like, oh, anarchy means there's no rules. Anarchy doesn't mean that. Anarchy just means that there's no centralized ruler, but there are rulers like competing ones, right? Like you could say that your local church is a small operating authority structure that has its own government and its own rulers, right? Now, those aren't absolute rulers. They don't have complete rule over you, but they do get, you know, if you decide to go to church and be part of a church community, they do get some authority over you in that voluntary exchange, right? And so you still have rules in society without a centralized ruler. In fact, most of human society operates in a state of anarchy, if you think about it, right? Like when you go to the park and you take your kids there and they play with other kids and you interact with the adults, like you're getting along in a state of anarchy. No one is in power over anyone else. There's no you know, authority structure there that's holding guns against you to make you act peacefully and cooperatively. The free market is essentially anarchy, right? So now people go, well, what happens when violence happens, right? Well, yeah, that's the role for civil governance. We need to do something when people violate other people's rights. That is the act of civil governance, is in the pursuit of civil justice. And the Bible talks about that, and I believe in it. What I don't believe in is in the establishment of one person or one group in an entire nation to be the final and only arbiter of civil justice and to do so in a way that gives them rights or exemptions from the law. Because like states, they initiate taxation. They do eminent domain. They print money. They they send you out to fight in wars. I mean, you know, my church is recently gone over, we're going through the book of 1 Samuel. We just did 1 Samuel 8. I was talking with my pastor about this and he knew, you know, after we did that, he was like, yeah, I can tell this is a passage that you like. And yeah, it is because I think 1 Samuel 8 is kind of describing uh, is the problem with centralized authority. I mean, on a spiritual level, it's idolatrous. It's people abandoning the idea of God as their ruler and God as their king and looking to humans to fill that role. And God compared it to like, just as they've abandoned me to worship golden calves and other idols. They're doing the same thing now. And then he warns them. He's like, hey, this king is going to take your stuff. He's going to make your children fight on the front lines of his wars and to you know service his harvest. He's going to get the best of all of your stuff and you will be his slaves. That is like a, you know, not to be ironic, it's a biblical level analysis of what the state is. So when I say I'm an anarchist, what I'm saying is I reject that. Right? I don't believe in putting humans on pedestals where they have power over people in that way that First Samuel 8 describes, which is what the state is. It's not just the monarchy. Any state that exists is like that. But that doesn't mean that there aren't systems of governance that aren't the state, that aren't these absolute monopolies of power. So again, it's a polycentric legal order. The book of Judges and pre-First Samuel 8, Israel lived in a basically anarcho-theocracy. They had regional leaders and judges that would rise up to settle disputes, and when they weren't needed, they weren't there. Yes, there were a lot of awful things happened in the book of Judges, but there's also large periods of time where we know that they were living peacefully, not no issues, 
Because as long as we live in this fallen world, we will not have utopia. Anyone, Christian or not, should agree with that. And so this isn't about the establishment of utopia. The way I always put it is this. This is, I think, the lesson of 1 Samuel 8. Without a state, you're going to have problems. You're going to have a sin and you're going to have predation. And you're going to have to have, try to figure those problems out. But if you add a state to the equation, guess what? You just made it a lot worse. <laughs> it doesn't solve anything. It didn't solve anything for Israel. They still had conflict. They still had wars. They still fell into sin. They still rejected God. So where was the improvement of Israel post the installation of the monarchy? And it says right there, God gave them the monarchy because they asked for it. It wasn't his idea. He had provisions for if they did, and God used it in his sovereign providential decree and, and plan. But it's not like he was morally normative. Not like he's like, this is the way I want you guys to live. <laughs> he's pretty clear on that. And so that is what I mean by anarchy. But am I an anarchist? Well, no, I'm a Christian. When I say biblical anarchy, what I'm really just saying is living for the kingdom of God, living as a son of Jesus, not a son of God, but I am a son in the way that there are sons of daughters of God, the father of, you know, we are redeemed by what Jesus did on the cross. And with what Jesus did on the cross, he declared himself the king, the Christ, declared his kingdom and declared that we are no longer bound to the enslavement of sin in that we can now be inheritors in that kingdom, be inheritors of that promise of that covenant that God had with Abraham. We can be inheritors of that. And while we're living on this world, we're to live in it, but not be of it. And we're to proclaim the one true kingdom. And that means, A, there is no king but Christ. And so B, all the kingdoms of this world are just at best, pale imitations, and really usually at worst, they're distortions that violate justice and violate God's law. They are rival nations, so to speak. And so when I say anarchy, there's that political element, which again, like I, I, that's for a different episode to kind of explain private law and polycentric legal order. But the other level and why I, I use that term is because Yes, we're not anarchists in the sense of like, yes, we do have a sovereign, but that's a vertical relationship between us and the Most High and His kingdom, which is not of this world. But because that kingdom exists, because Christ is king, and because of what we know of in the Bible, because of passages like 1 Samuel 8, we know that here on earth, the horizontal relationships, the human society, the human sphere, and that those who are acting in civil governance are not exempt from this, that we are to live in that state of anarchy with one another. And this is, I think, what is echoed in passages like in Mark 10, 42. There's a similar one in Matthew as well, where he's like, don't be like the Gentiles who like to seek positions of power and authority to rule and dominate over one another. But, you know, they do that, but it shall not be that way among you. Instead, if you seek to be, any of you seeks to be great, he must become low. He must become the least. He must become a servant, just as the Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve and to be poured out as a blessing sacrifice for all mankind. Paraphrasing that from memory, I've read that passage a lot. So I, forgive me if I didn't get it exactly word by word, but I don't think I distorted it. That is what the passage says. Because Christ is king, 
because he is the model for what authority and servant leadership is, that is what we must proclaim. So we cannot be like the world. We cannot, now we submit to the kingdoms of the world. And I've been over why we do that. But we don't do that because they're legitimate. We don't do that because they know what's best because most often they don't. We don't do that because that's what God has described as morally normative in terms of what civil governance and authority structures should look like. The state is the biggest distortion of what God says about what authority and what leaders and rulers should be doing. The biggest distortion. But just as we bless those who persecute us, we honor the emperor, right? We submit insofar as we're not sinning, insofar as we are not in conflict with what God has told us to do. We submit in terms of that overcoming evil with good, right? So that's why we do it. But we don't, you know, submission doesn't mean approval and submission doesn't mean serving. Like we don't serve the kingdoms of man. We submit to them, but we serve the kingdom of God. That's the point of this episode. Am I an anarchist? Do I go around like describing myself or thinking of myself as an anarchist? No, but there's an important part of the Christian walk of the Christian faith that I think the church has, is missing. A lot of the church, a lot of Christians are missing. And so if I just called this the kingdom of God podcast or the seeking the kingdom podcast, like that wouldn't drive to the heart of what I'm trying to say. But when I say the biblical anarchy podcast, wow, that gets people's attention. What the heck are you talking about, Jacob? And that opens the door to this conversation I just had. This conversation of serving the kingdom of God and understanding what the Bible teaches about governments, human authority, human rulers, and what it means to live for God, to have the gospel penetrate all areas of our life. We shouldn't live, you know, this compartmentalized way where, you know, we're a Christian in our church and we're a Christian in our work, we're a Christian in our community. But then when we evaluate the government and the states and wars and conflicts, suddenly the Bible doesn't have anything to say about that. Biblical morality doesn't have things to say about these things. No, that's not true. That's the premise of this podcast. So anyway, that is basically this episode. The point I wanted to say, maybe it's a little bit clickbaity to be like, why I'm not an anarchist. But it's true. I'm not an anarchist. I am a Christian. But because I'm a Christian, that means that I serve God and his kingdom. And while we have rulers in the sense that they administer rules and governance, we do not have sovereigns. Humans are not sovereign over one another. And so we live in a state of anarchy with each other. And we pray for a day where Jesus comes. We pray he comes quickly. And we pray for that day where we live in the new heavens, the new earth, where peace rules, where there's no violence on his holy mountain. But until then, we proclaim those truths here and now. So that's all I have for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Looking forward to talking to you guys again next week. The Biblical Anarchy Podcast is a part of the Christians for Liberty Network, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute. If you love this podcast, it helps us reach more with a message of freedom when you rate and review us on your favorite podcast apps and share with others. If you want to support the production of the Biblical Anarchy Podcast, please consider donating to the Libertarian Christian Institute at biblicalanarchypodcast.com, where you can also sign up to receive special announcements and resources related to biblical anarchy. Thanks for tuning in.